I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, coming to you for the second time today. So if you're not sick of me uh, yet, thank you for staying with us. Uh, good to see uh, lots of you in the live chat as always. Hope you're good, hope you're well, hope you're looking forward to the bank holiday weekend that we have here in the UK. If you're elsewhere, I uh, hope you're looking forward to uh, whatever weekend you guys are having. Uh, make sure you make the most of it. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy the sunshine. If there's sunshine, wherever you are, uh, I've got a bit sort of coming through the windows at the moment, but the weather's been really, really on and off here in London's day, which is a little bit frustrating, a little bit difficult to make plans that way, isn't it? Um, but yeah, anyway, um, I digress. Newcastle United take on Arsenal at St. James's Park on Sunday. Big, big, big game for both sides, really, because Arsenal, of course, looking to keep their Premier League title dream alive. Um, I don't think we will win it. I think it's gone. I think it's done. I think that Manchester City are going to cruise to it now. But we have to be there in the event that they slip up. Um, we have to be there in the event that they do drop points. And so that means we have to win our last four games, uh, starting with the trip to St. James's Park, which is not going to be easy. Make no mistake about it. This is a really, really tough fixture, a really tough fixture, particularly based on Newcastle's form this season. You know, we went there last season when they were on an upward trajectory under Eddie Howe and we were beaten and we were beaten well. I thought we were really poor that day. We were second best from the beginning. Um so, you know, we're going to have to be at something close to our best, you feel, to get anything from this game, let alone all three points. For Newcastle, it's a big game because, of course, they are looking to secure Champions League football. And if you think that Arsenal haven't been in it for a long time, well, what about Newcastle United? As I briefly mentioned earlier on when we were talking about transfers on our earlier show today, which you can check out on the YouTube channel and on whichever podcast platform it is you prefer to listen from, um, you know, this could be the the starting point, the kickstart to the Newcastle United project that they so desperately need and want. So, yeah, um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a really interesting game, a really interesting tactical battle. We'll come on to a little bit about that a little bit later on on the program. Uh, we're going to talk about the team selection. We're going to talk about how we think it's going to go. We're going to be taking your thoughts and questions from the live chat box, and uh, we're also. Uh, going to react to Mikel Arteta's press conference, which he gave earlier on today. Uh, a couple of interesting lines in there that I want to make sure uh, that we keep across and, and make sure that we talk about. So I guess that's the best place to start, right? The press conference, as I said, took part uh, earlier this afternoon, took place earlier this afternoon. Um, I guess the big question that Mikel Arteta is going to be asked and, and, and was asked today, uh, and that will continue to happen was around the fitness of William Saliba. Now, um, I think a lot of us have kind of made peace with the fact that we're probably not going to see him again this season. I certainly have. I've made peace with that. I was resigned to that when he spoke about him. I think it was in the lead up to the City game. The minute he kind of said, well, you know, the progress hasn't been there. He's not progressed in the way we thought, hoped or expected. That for me was confirmation of the fact that William Saliba's progress or, or, or that William Saliba's season, I beg your pardon, was probably over 
So I'm not expecting from week to week now to hear anything different. I'm not expecting to hear from Mikel Arteta that William Saliba has come through this and he's he's feeling great and he's feeling good and he's been back in training and he's ready to go. It is worrying, um, the nature of this injury, because it seems like it's something that seemed so innocuous at the time, yet he can't shake it off. And we all agree and we all know that we're a much better team with William Saliba in it. So naturally, there's going to be that disappointment there. Um, but on the subject of the Frenchman, Mikel Arteta said that there's still been no activity involving William Saliba around the first team yet. And so he doesn't expect him to be with the first team. He was then asked a follow-up question, which was, do we expect him then, based on what Mikel Arteta is saying, to be out for the remainder of the season? And he said, look, we're not there yet in terms of saying that or ruling him out for what remains of the campaign. But, you know, I think you can kind of read between the lines. If he's not had any first team training and there's what, a number of weeks now between now and the end of the season, you've got to assume that it's done for William Saliba and you've got to assume that, you know, they they just need to focus on getting him back to fitness. And if there was an opportunity to take a, even the smallest risk to try and get him back in the team because we are, you know, vying for the title, of course, then I'm sure Arsenal will take it. But the fact that they're being so cautious suggests that maybe this injury is is more severe than we were ever allowed to know. And um, that is a concern. Obviously, over the course of the summer, you'd expect him to get back to fitness. So it's probably not going to have a knock-on effect into next season, you hope. But this is worrying and this is concerning. And, you know, I'd have loved to have had, had him back for this game. But even if he did come back, even if he had trained for the last few days, how fresh and fit would he be based on the fact that he's done very little work in and around the first team? So those are things you need to consider as well. He was also asked about Gabriel because, of course, he is a doubt going into the weekend because of that knock that he picked up against Chelsea. There's been a lot of speculation around what exactly that injury was. We brought you an update on it a little bit earlier on from Kaya Kainak. And that still stands. Kaya Kainak's report was that it was, in fact, an issue with his ankle, not the hamstring problem that others had reported and that actually he should be okay for the weekend. Mikel Arteta kept his cards close to his chest, as you'd expect him to do. And he said, we'll have to see how he is tomorrow. Um, but as I say, judging by those recent reports, I've got quite a bit of hope that he will be fit and available for this one. And, and we'll factor that in, of course, when discussing what we believe the starting lineup should be in the game uh, up at St. James's Park. Um few hellos. Let's say a few hellos before we continue through. Um, remember, if people are coming in the chat to have a go at other people, I will block you instantly because I'm I'm not about that today. Uh, we've never been about that. This is a, a platform for Arsenal fans to come and have respectful debates. You can disagree. Of course you can. But if we get to the point where we're calling each other stupid names, um, that's not what our loyal subscribers are here for. And they don't deserve that. So I will, if I see it, if I catch it, I will block people and kick them out. Just a warning. Um, big hello to NSW, uh, to Henry, to Steve, uh, to Tamina. We've got Gavin in the chat as well. We've got Viju. Uh, Adair is with us. Uh, Craig from Fort Lauderdale. I haven't seen you in here for a while. Good to see you, mate. Hope you're good. Uh, wondering Minstrel is with us. Uh, CHS fan says, Harry, you are the GOAT. I don't think I am, but I wish I was. Uh, no, I'm kidding. He says, twice today is a treat. Yep, two shows today. Uh, we're going all out, aren't we? 
but anyway, uh, oh, big hello to uh, Mohammed as well. And of course, the snipe.genius who says, haven't caught you live for a while, Harry. Um, good to see you as well, my friend. Right. So that's kind of the big lines from the press conference. The other bit that is probably worth highlighting, but I'm not going to just sit and read Mikel's press conference word for word, is that he was asked, you know, what they need to do differently, what what the kind of feeling is going into this game, because the defeat at St. James's Park in terms of our top four hopes last season was pretty damaging. And Mikel said it will be a different game, you know, different teams, different personnel. We're very different in what we do now. Newcastle, very different in what they do. Mikel also said that he felt that we deserved to win the game at the Emirates earlier on in the season. And I think that too. I remember Newcastle coming uh, to North London and frustrating us on that particular occasion. Difficult night uh, for the Gunners. Bit of controversy. Lots of uh, complaints about time wasting and all sorts of other things as well. Um, but yeah, I, I really respect this Newcastle side. I think they're a fantastic side. I think they got a lot to offer. I think they are one of those sides that can do a bit of everything. And um, I know that sounds like a really obvious thing to say, but what I mean is when they need to dig in and be solid defensively and they need to shut the door on you, they can do that. They did it to us at the Emirates Stadium at a time when we were in much better form than we are now. Um, they're also a side with the capability to hurt you. They've got top quality attacking players. They've got informed strikers in Callum Wilson and Alexander Isak. They've got electrifying wingers. They've got midfielders that like to get forward from deep and can make fantastic runs. We've seen all of that from Newcastle over the course of the season. So things to be wary of, that midfield energy for me is the big one. Because not only do they have energy in terms of closing people down, shutting doors, closing off passing lanes and pathways, they have this incredible ability uh, to sort of make lung bursting runs from midfield and, and getting beyond their strikers. And we see that a lot in the likes of, for example, Joe Willock, somebody like Joe Linton can do that as well, given that he was a striker previously. He has that in his nature. He has that understanding of the areas that he should be occupying and, and, and the areas that he needs to get into if he wants to score goals. And the turnaround in him has been unbelievable. Um, as I mentioned, defensively, I think they're, they're really solid. I think they, you know, have have got a wonderful blend there of players that can play the ball out, Kieran Trippier, Fabian Cher. But they've also got people like Dan Byrne, for example, who can just get stuck in and can make it really, really difficult for you. He's a good footballer as well, an underrated footballer in terms of what he can do with the ball at his feet. But I just think they've got that really good balance. Eddie Howe's been able to find that between having that solidity and, and power and strength and presence, but also having all the other things that you need as well in the modern game. So those are the things I'd be worried about. Now, we're going to talk about Arsenal's team selection in a bit. And there are questions. Jakub Kivio came into the side against Chelsea. Does he continue at right centre-back? Or is the risk of playing a left-footed centre-back at right-footed centre-back going to be seen as one that's too big to take for Mikel Arteta? We'll get into that. We're going to talk the midfield. Does Jorginho continue after a very, very impressive display uh, against Chelsea, his former club, in midweek? Or does Thomas Partey come in? Does Leandro Trossard continue in the front three? Or does Mikel Arteta revert back to that front three of Saka, Jesus and Martinelli? We're going to get into all of that on this show. But first, we're going to take a very, very short pause. And I'm going to bring you a very, very brief message from our sponsors, the good people over at NordVPN. <laughs> 
Thank you very much. Uh, don't forget this podcast is uh, sponsored by the good people over at NordVPN. So uh, if you are looking for a VPN service as a virtual private network for a number of reasons, uh, because there are a lot of benefits that you stand to gain from signing up to one of these services, then look no further than NordVPN because they very much are the best in the business. Uh, NordVPN allows you to log onto the internet via a virtual private network, which gives you lots of benefits, one of which is an added layer of security. We know that cybercrime is at an all-time high, so how do you keep people out? How do you keep people from accessing all of your data? Well, you log in through a VPN, and it adds that extra layer and makes it impenetrable for those that are looking uh, to, of course, um, steal your data, information, etc., etc. Uh, you can also gain a, a number of other benefits. So, for example, by logging in via NordVPN, you can change your virtual location, meaning the internet, your browser, thinks that you are based elsewhere in the world. And that can be really, really useful when you want to stream content, uh, watch content, download stuff, uh, sign up to subscriptions, etc., etc., that aren't available in your territory. A great example is that I like to watch Greek football from time to time. Now, it is on TV um, that I could normally or I would be able to, if I was out uh, in Greece or Cyprus, be able to access uh, by um, by just, yeah, simply sort of logging onto that channel's iPlayer or equivalent. But when I'm in the UK, it's geo-blocked and that's impossible for me to do. So what I need to do is change my virtual uh, location so that that enables me to do that. I can also search for flights, which are often cheaper sometimes uh, from the destination that uh, you are wanting to go to, particularly if you live in the UK. Um, so uh, yeah, that's another option. That's another thing you can do. Set your location to where you're going, check the flight prices. You might stand to benefit. Um, and all of that costs about the price of a cup of coffee per month. Um, there are loads more benefits that I'm sure you'll explore if you do head over to the NordVPN website. They are currently sponsoring the Chronicles of Aguna, which means that you get access to a huge discount by signing up via our link in the description, nordvpn.com forward slash Chronicles AFC. And on top of that, you get an additional four months on your plan. So four months that you don't pay for. So it's a really worthwhile deal. I know a lot of you use it or use something similar. This is a great opportunity to save yourself some money. This is a promotion available for a limited time. So do check it out. NordVPN.com forward slash Chronicles AFC. And we thank them for their support of the show. Okay. Um, starting 11 then. Should we do starting 11 or should we do the stats first? I think You know what? Let's do the stats first. Let's break it down uh, when it comes to Arsenal and uh, Newcastle United. You know what? I'll share the screen. Uh, so that you guys can see this. Those of you that are, of course, watching us on YouTube, remember to leave a like on the video, by the way, if you haven't done so already. That really, really does help. Let's look at it then. Arsenal head-to-head -head with Newcastle United in the Premier League. 55 times these two sides have met. Arsenal have won 33 of them. Newcastle have won 11, and there have been 11 draws between the two sides. Arsenal, by far, the more dominant force uh, over the Premier League era. But Newcastle are not the side that they've been for, what, the last decade. They are much improved. They have a really good manager. They've got some fantastic players. And um, and I am sure that that record uh, means very little, actually, going into a game like this. If we look at the last five meetings between the two sides, we met, obviously, as I mentioned, back in January, 0-0 draw at Emirates Stadium. And prior to that was that damaging defeat we suffered at St. James's Park on May 16th at the end of last season. We lost 2-0 on that night. Uh, going back uh, prior to that, we uh, beat them 
2-0 at the Emirates on Saturday, the 27th of November, 2021. Uh, in that, uh, in the season prior, we won at St. James's by two goals to nil towards the end of the campaign. You'll remember Mohamed Elneny scoring a good goal that day. And then, of course, prior to that, on Monday, the 18th of January, 2021, it was a 3-0 win to the Arsenal. So you're talking three Arsenal wins, one Newcastle win and one draw uh, over the course of the last five. But as I keep saying, this is not the same Newcastle United side. Um, form guide, they look in much better shape than us. And that is um, that is what the form guide reads. You know, Newcastle have won four of their last five victories over Southampton, Everton, Spurs and Brentford. The loss uh, coming at Aston Villa at the hands of Unai Emery's men. We've won just one of our last five. We were on a run of three successive draws, which done us a lot of damage in the hunt for the title. Uh, and then, of course, that defeat at Manchester City, many will feel was the final nail in the coffin for Mikel Arteta's side. I mean, we're still technically alive, but we need to win at St. James's on Sunday and we need things to go our way. Perhaps King Sam, uh, who's uh, return, seems to be getting a lot more attention than the King's coronation here in England. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Um, can, uh, can do us a favour tomorrow. In terms of position, we're second there. Third, just a, 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 a position separates us. But we do have a lot more points and then we're 13 points clear of them as things stand, although they do have a game in hand. Uh, so that could be... Um, that should be uh, a little... Um, uh, that, that should be a little bit smaller, that gap, uh, because of that game in hand. As I say, sorry, got distracted there. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, we've won 24 of our games, drawn six, lost four. They've won 18, drawn 11, lost four. Um, they do draw a lot of games. Average goal score per match, Arsenal 2.38, Newcastle 1.85, but they do concede less than us. They concede uh, on average 0.82 goals per match. We're on 1.15, and that's significantly increased for Arsenal in the recent months, which is a bit disappointing. They've kept more clean sheets than us, 13 to our 12. And according to the Premier League stats, I always say be wary of this one. They create more chances per match. In terms of top player statistics, Gabriel Martinelli and Callum Wilson are in joint first position across the two clubs for the number of Premier League goals, both on 15. And Martin Erdegaard sits in third then with 14. He's just one behind. When it comes to assists, the Arsenal boys are out in front. Saka with 11, Trossard with 8, and Granit Xhaka with 7 uh, in third. He got a couple, of course, which propelled him up this list against Chelsea in midweek. When it comes to passes, our two centre-halves, despite William Saliba not having been available for a while, lead the way there with Kieran Trippier in third. When it comes to tackles, it's a Newcastle man heading the pile. Bruno Gimaraes with 67, Thomas Partey with 66, and Joe Linton is in third with 64. Now, the Joe Linton bit is mad, right? Because this guy was a striker when they bought him. I know it didn't work out. And I know that, you know, there was a lot of criticism of him at the time. But look at what he's done. He's, he's managed to adapt position, change position. And he's still putting in tackles and working hard. 
The fact that he's putting in so many tackles, though, suggests that he's um, he's uh, started demanding or, or started sort of getting to grips with what the new role requires, is what I've wanted to say in a roundabout way. But anyway, uh, so those are the stats. Those are the facts uh, going into this one. Um, in terms of uh, the team selection, I lost my train of thought. It's been a long day. Um, I've been thinking long and hard about this. So I mentioned that there were decisions to be made over Jakob Kivior, decisions to be made over Jorginho, over the front line. And I've been thinking long and hard about this and I've come up with what I would do. And I want to share this with you guys and see, of course, what you think. So Ramsdale in goal, no brainer, easy. Zinchenko at right back, no, Zinchenko. Ben White at right back, I should say, uh, no brainer, easy peasy. Centre half, for me, it should be Gabriel and Kivior. Because we just looked a lot more comfortable defensively against Chelsea the other night. Kivior played well, so why not reward him for that performance? I wonder if Mikel Arteta felt he could get away with it against Chelsea. Maybe won't feel he can get away with playing two left-sided centre-backs away at Newcastle. I'm interested to see what he's going to do here. But if it were me, Jakob Kivior stays at centre-back alongside Gabriel. I know some of you in the chat are suggesting that Kieran Tierney needs to start at left-back. I'd say that if we were going to go there and and expect to play a game backs against the wall, you know, the drill, all of that, then I'd agree with you. I really, really would. But Zinchenko gives us a control in midfield. He is susceptible defensively. We've talked about that on this show, what feels like a million and one times. But for me, I just think Zinchenko has been the man all season pretty much. And we've had more benefit from Zinchenko being in the side than negative. And so for me, Zinchenko continues at left back. I understand what people are saying. I thought he's defending against Chelsea for the goal that they scored the other night was really, really poor. And it's not the first time that I've come out and said that Zinchenko's defending was below the level it needs to be at. But he has a big influence on the team and I think he brings a lot more to the equation. And as a result of that, I think that he plays. I really, really do. Going on to midfield, I know that a lot of people are making a case for Jorginho after the display that he put in against Chelsea the other night. But for me, you don't get away with it at St. James's Park. And what I mean by that is, you know, I've spoken a lot already about the energy I expect Newcastle to play with. And I expect them to get those runners forward. And I expect them to try and make runs into the box and in and around the box and arrive late as they do sort of so, so well. And I just think that Jorginho, in terms of his mobility, will struggle. I, I didn't. I, I thought he might have struggled against Chelsea. I was wrong on that day, but I certainly wouldn't take that risk. I think maybe Thomas Partey being taken out of the firing line the other day was a good thing. Hopefully, he's back, refreshed, ready to go. And um, and yeah, I, I think he should come back into the team for this one. Um, I know we'll look at it with hindsight, and we'll probably maybe say something different. But um, I think this is uh, this is the right decision. Um, Thomas Partey uh, at the uh, the pivot. Um, yeah, I, I think that's what I'd go with. I'd go with Xhaka and Odegaard alongside him. I've said all season, this is our best midfield. It's our most balanced midfield and it's the right option. So my midfield is Partey, Xhaka, Odegaard. And in terms of the front three, Martinelli being rested the other night was an opportunity for him to refresh and go again up at St. James's Park. And if we're going to pin them back and if we're going to cause them problems and if we're going to take control of the game, which I expect us to try and do because it's in our nature, it's the way we play, then I think he's a real big threat and somebody that could pin Kieran Trippier back 
in the way that maybe Leandro Trossard wouldn't just because he isn't as as much of a traditional winger. He isn't someone that's going to really stick to the touchline and stay high up the pitch. Trossard tends more to come deep and, and tends to drop into pockets and into holes in order to try and get on the ball and, and be a little bit more involved in the build-up. Martinelli's constantly up there and he's constantly wanting to play off the shoulder. So I think that him being there helps us, not just from an offensive standpoint, but in terms of um, you know what, what he does for us defensively because he maybe makes Kieran Trippier, for example, think twice about bombing forward. He's our top goal scorer in the Premier League. He needs to play. That's how I see it. Um, Jesus and Saka up there alongside him. Saka wasn't great, I didn't think, against Chelsea, but he wasn't bad either. Uh, there were moments, there were flashes of what we know he can do. Jesus, for me, was excellent again. Um, and so he stays in the team. So that's my 11 to play uh, Newcastle United this weekend. Let me just run through it again for those of you listening on audio who don't have the graphic in front of you. Ramsdale in goal. Back four of White, Kivior, Gabriel and Zinchenko. Partey, Xhaka and Odegaard in midfield with Martinelli, Saka and Jesus in attack. So that's my team. Uh, anything you do differently? I know a few of you would like to see Kieran Tierney in there. Not for me, though. Let me know in the comments. Uh, what are you thinking? How are you feeling about this game? We'll take a very, very brief pause and then we'll talk predictions and, um, and we'll get some of your predictions and thoughts uh, from the live chat as well. Okay, uh, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the 90 Min Football family. Newcastle United versus Arsenal. It means a lot for both teams. Um, I, I just want us to be alive. I just want us to be alive and, and, and sort of kicking going into the final few games. I also, though, at the same time, am not stupid enough to think that if Arsenal go there and draw, for example, it's the biggest disgrace in the world. Obviously, there'll be some disappointment and some regret because of what that would mean for our title chances, which are already slim, in my opinion, but would be even slimmer if Newcastle uh, were to beat us or were to get a point against us even. I'm, I'm not naive enough to think that we are the finished article and that we are so good that we go there and we win and we win comfortably and no other outcome is an option or or is remotely possible. I think there's a really good chance that we go to St. James's Park and get beat. That's me being completely open and honest with you because they're a fantastic side. and um, We haven't seen a lot from Arsenal in the last month or so. There has been a significant drop-off in the levels of performances. We seem to be a one-half team at the moment as well, which is another thing that worries me and concerns me. Uh, we seem to be able to perform for 45 minutes and, and not much beyond that. At times, it's been less than that. At times, we've performed for half an hour and then dropped off completely as well. So there is concern about that. Uh, but in terms of a prediction, I'm going to be positive here because I feel like the pressure coming off of Arsenal in a way, the fact that now nobody expects them, A, to go and win at Newcastle and B, to go on and win the Premier League title, I think probably suits us. I think losing to Manchester City confirmed to everybody that they were going to probably go on and win this league. And that was probably the last bit of pressure that Arsenal really had on them. Now it's shackles off, go and try and finish as strong as possible. And look, let's just see where we are. And I think we might benefit from that. You know, I really, really do. So I'm going to go for a, a 3-1 Arsenal win. I know I said that Newcastle don't concede a lot of goals and they don't, but we've got plenty of firepower. I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet. But I'm confident we can outscore them if we play something like our best. So um, 
I'm going to go for a 3-1 Arsenal win. Uh, I know that sounds a bit crazy. I know people will say I'm being overly positive, but that's um, that's where I'm at. Uh, I'm feeling good about it. I'm hopeful about it. I might be knocked back down to earth come Sunday evening. By the way, I'm not going up to Newcastle uh, at the weekend, so we'll be able to bring you the post-match podcast that same evening, um, which is, I know, something we used to do all the time when I was at less games and I wasn't travelling as much. And I know that went down really well. And I know people have said to me, look, can you get back to doing that? Wherever possible, I promise I will. Um, and, uh, and it is possible this weekend, so I'm going to be doing that on Sunday evening. But yeah, that's my prediction. Let's take some of yours then uh, from the live chats. I've seen a few of you uh, drop in some of them in. Uh, Damien Kelly actually says he'd pick the same team that played against Chelsea, which is interesting. Uh, Zaki says, how is Partey starting Sunday after that horrible performance against City? He wasn't the only one, Zaki. He hasn't been at his level. We we know that. But a lot of that is to do with the structure around him as well. He looked tired. He looked weary. Some had suggested that he might have picked up an injury that the club were keeping quiet. Maybe that is the case. I don't know. But um, I just think in this game, this is not one that you can um, you can allow Jorginho to be exposed in, in my opinion. Um, but I might be wrong. I might be wrong. Mikel Arteta might see it differently. Uh, Steve Stone says, um, sorry, I'm being negative, but I can't see past the 1-1 draw. That's not negative. That's a, that's a very reasonable prediction, I would say. Uh, Gavin says, Saka has been awful for six to eight weeks, but Arteta won't drop his favourites. I, I wouldn't say he's been awful. I'd say his level has, has dropped a little bit. Not awful, though. That's incredibly harsh. RF says, unfortunately, I cannot see a win. Our defence is broken. We're physically at 40%. This is the third hardest game of the season behind going to the Etihad and Anfield. Nav says, I think if holding plays, we lose our draw. If not, we have a fighting chance. Uh, Ollie says... What a load of nonsense this is. I'm not even going to read that. What a load of absolute codswallop. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Lynn Simpson. Um, we definitely need someone like Michael Oliver on Sunday, not Simon Hooper, because we want to not be given silly decisions. The referee plays a part, and I think it's always difficult when you're the away side going to somewhere as atmospheric and as intimidating as St. James's Park can be. It's important that you have a strong official and, and normally in the build-up to games in in seasons gone by I would never have really paid too much attention to who the official was I know you get those sort of Twitter campaigns why is this guy refereeing our game blah, blah blah me personally I've always thought that if you're you're at your best and you and you perform you know that's that's what's in your control and there's no point in obsessing over things that you can't control but this season perhaps more than any other season officials have been dictating the outcome of games and for some reason, the PGMOL think that's absolutely fine as long as they give you a written apology off the back of a stupid mistake and off the back of a costly mistake. So you do have to, <laughs> to factor in the referee now, which is a shame because that's not somewhere that you want to be um, when it comes to uh, elite level football. But hey, it is what it is. Uh, I'm going to take a couple of questions uh, just before I uh, dash off. Um, I've got somewhere I need to be this evening. Um, but yeah, uh, any questions, anything you want, anything you've uh, got that's, um, on your mind? Uh, let me have a look at what some of you have been saying. Cause I saw a couple earlier on, uh, which I'll refer back to not Ollie's one, um, which was, uh, ridiculous. Cheers for that, Ollie. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
where was where was the question? There was a question that I wanted to touch on, and now I can't find it. Oh well, if you've got any questions, get them in. If you don't, don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, look, I think there's going to be there's going to be goals. I'd imagine there's going to be excitement. There's going to be attacking football. There's going to be a cracking atmosphere. I think this is a, a Premier League fans' dream. If you're a neutral. Um, you know, this type of game is what you want to see. And um, and I expect both teams to play their part in that. Hopefully we can get the result that we need to keep us alive, as I keep on saying, because it's not about, you know, it's not about sort of getting overly excited about the prospect of City dropping points. Now, I'm past that. It's just about Arsenal not fading away. Arsenal showing everybody else, just looking at how they're going to respond to the adversity they faced in recent weeks. It's about Arsenal proving all those people wrong to even doubt us. And that can have a big knock-on effect. If we finish the season strongly, I know our stock is high going into the transfer window anyway. We've talked a lot about this. But if we finish the season strongly, it makes it even higher. And it makes people go, yep, look how close they were. They're not a million miles off. And perhaps I could be the player to make the difference. Somebody like Declan Rice may well be looking at it with interest. Uh, Lynn asks, uh, would we play Trossard because he's a little less predictable than Jesus? I think, that Jesus has been really, really good in recent weeks, with the exception of the City game where everybody was anonymous. Everybody sort of went into their show. I think he's been really, really good. And he brings another dynamic to our attack. It's not a coincidence that we're scoring so many goals now. Um, you know, I think he's really important. For me, he's one of the first names on the team sheet when fit. And it's partly because he's been great, but it's partly because I feel like anybody else is a bit of a drop-off. Trossard has been a great signing and he's been a, a big asset in terms of providing assists. Not so many goals, though. Jesus's goal-scoring form since he returned has been decent. Um, and so, yeah, for me, Jesus up front all day long. Trossard, if he does come in, it will have to be in one of the wide positions. But I'd go with Saka and Martinelli, um, personally. But anyway, right, going to leave it there. Thank you all so much. Enjoy your Friday night. Enjoy your Saturday. Enjoy your Sunday up until the Arsenal match. And then, of course, it's in the players' hands. We'll be back on Sunday night with some more content. Maybe tomorrow, if anything, of any real interest breaks, uh, any big news uh, comes out, then we'll uh, make sure we're across that. But for the time being, our plan is to be back on Sunday. So I'll see you guys then. Until next time. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler. And you're listening to Harry Simeon.